Our scripture passage today is in Psalm is Psalm 91, not in Psalm 91. It is Psalm 91. Uh, it is on page 497 of your Red Pew Bible. I was just reminded last week when uh, we gathered, we talked about a God who fights for us and who makes us brave. And uh, I personally didn't have any clue what this week would hold. And um, so now let's read about uh, God's answer when when we're not feeling so brave. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. The very word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of my favorite tricks and um, also my greatest fears is um, that I will get up here and uh, you having uh, notes for my whole message um, in your hand and I won't be able to find my notes. And that has actually happened to me several times and um, oftentimes I'll leave them here and then whoever is doing the scripture will pick them up and take them with them as they leave this place. Um, My usual trick is what I just did. And, um, and that is to leave my notes up here and not in my Bible. And then I pulled out March 1st notes and, and a wave of fear went over me. And I thought, I'm going to have to fill in the blanks from memory. Uh, um, and uh, I'm not going to be able to do that well. And I guess just looking back, so I got up here and discovered that my notes were tucked in the bulletin up here. Um, but isn't it funny how fast fear can take over you, right? And honestly, fear about things that are not necessarily going to change the world, right? But we live in a culture that feeds fear. We live in a culture that, that is afraid. And as I hinted earlier, if you worry about something long enough, then your feeler gets stuck. And eventually you're just worrying and you don't know why you're worrying. Your, your worry gets dissociated from the object and and it's what I call, that's what I understand anxiety to be, unbased worry, right? That's why I love God's word, that he speaks to us over and over again. We have said it countless times 
Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And that will be our, that will be our encouragement throughout this current crisis. Don't be afraid. Today, especially from Psalm 91, I want to just address, I'm just going to fly at 30,000 feet over the psalm today, but I want, I want to just address, what do we do when fear arises, right? What, what do we do there? Is, is, is there help from God's word? You see, the problem is that, that fear blurs our vision, right? It blurs our vision. We can't see straight anymore. And when you can't see straight, it's very easy to misinterpret something. Very easy to misunderstand something. And, and when fear arises, then, then we have a natural tendency. And the natural tendency is, is to protect ourselves. Not just against the immediate crisis, but against all possible permutations of that crisis. Again, I... I I joke that that the, one of the major runs on things has been something completely unrelated to the current crisis, but but for whatever run, for whatever purpose, the toilet paper has been this hot commodity that that people are hoarding, and so um, and so our vision gets blurred, and we we feel like we have to protect ourselves, and our, our problem is not really that. That we want protection because that's a natural gift of God. It's, uh, God Himself declares Himself as the protector, so He, He understands this thing. Our problem is not that we want to protect ourselves, but that we look for protection in the wrong places. Amen? That we, we look, no, I'm not, I'm not in any way trying to say to you, don't take advantage of every human availability and, and human wisdom. And we are learning through this crisis of just simple things like, like, like not shaking hands that can help protect people. I'm not, I'm not speaking against that at all, but, but you can do all those things and still get the coronavirus, right? Um, you, you can, you can do all, every human thing and still, if, especially if it's God's sovereign will, still get that disease. So my challenge to us today, and I think the word from Psalm 91 is, is don't look in the wrong places, right? Focus on where your protection comes from. Focus on where your protection, isn't that such a beautiful verse? He or she who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, that's that word Masada, for those of you who have been to Masada, my Masada, my fortress, my refuge, my God in whom I trust. Did you see how many names of God there were right there. And these are some of the most ancient names of God that Scripture holds, right? When, when Abraham, <clears throat> I'm, thinking Abraham uh, I'm thinking Genesis 14 maybe, when Abraham um, rescued Lot and, and, and delivered uh, his, his nephew and, and five tribes of people from, from bondage, then he encountered this strange figure named King of Righteousness, Melchizedek, right? And, 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 and the scripture in Genesis 14 says Melchizedek was a priest of the Most High God, right? The same, the same description right here. And, and, and 85 times in scripture, God is called uh, El Shaddai, 
um, uh, originally God of the mountain. I lift up my eyes. Where does my help come from, right? The God of the mountain, but it, it came to mean almighty God, right? The, the most powerful God. And I will say, and then he uses the, the name that we have learned from, from Exodus, the very personal name of God, I am that I am. I will say to Yahweh, I am that I am, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Um, where do you look? When everything else is falling apart, where do you look for protection? As we saw earlier in our worship service, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, because God is our protection, therefore we will not fear. Psalm 46, 1-2. And again, Psalm 46, 10 says, be still. And know that I am God. So what is he saying? I remember when Matthew and I were, um, were hiking the Grand Canyon. We, we wanted to get an early start um, uh, on going down. And, and so we left at about 6 in the morning. And uh, the temperature, the high temperature that day on the rim was going to be about 75 degrees. And we hiked down the, the South Kaibab Trail which is a very steep and, and rocky trail, and got to the bottom, we got to the bottom, which is about maybe nine miles by, by eight o'clock in the morning. It was 130 degrees in the bottom. 130, it's 5,000 feet lower, and it's like the air just compresses down there. And so I did what any good father would do. I said, you're on your own, son. I'm camping out in the stream. I, I kid you not. I laid down in the stream, and I, I remember drifting in and out of consciousness, not from the heat, just from, from lying in the cool stream at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. I remember vaguely Matthew saying, I'm going to catch a fish with my hand. And, and I said, yeah, right, yeah, good luck with that, and, and fell back asleep. And then a couple minutes later, something was flipping next to my face, and Matthew had a fish in his hand. He just caught a fish. I remember the next day, we left at 4 in the morning to hike out. It's a lot harder to hike out of the Grand Canyon than it is to hike into the Grand Canyon. And we were hiking by searchlight, and, um, and that was okay. It was tough. 5,000 feet of elevation change, and going back up, it was about 7 miles. And, um, but I remember as that sun came up, then the heat was absolutely oppressive. And I know that the air temperature is the same whether you're in the shade or not. But there's a big difference, is there not, between being in the shade and being exposed. And that's why my heart just resonates with this. Um, I'm going to rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Does that mean it won't get hot? No. But, but I'm going to rest in the shadow of God, my protector, and find my comfort in his presence. Right? Who are you looking to in the midst? I'm not just thinking of the coronavirus, because many of you are facing challenges much greater than that right now, physically, emotionally, and even spiritually. Much greater challenge. Where are you going to look for your protection? Focus on where your protection comes from. God, who is your refuge and your strength. But focus also 
on God's promises. Now, we're not going to be able to do this justice here. But as I looked at Psalm 91, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I could see at least 20, possibly 22 promises in those short 16 verses. Right? He will deliver you. Right? He will cover you with his wings, right? His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You, don't, you won't fear the terror of night, right? You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. My favorite ones come toward the end. I will deliver you. I will protect you. I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I won't necessarily deliver you from trouble, but I'll be with you in trouble. I will rescue you. I will honor you. With long life will I satisfy you. I will show you my salvation. I counted 20 plus promises in those few verses. How, how can you focus on these promises, right? Immerse yourself in them. I skipped that in my notes a few moments ago, but... But how do you focus on where your protection comes? How do you focus on God's promise? You immerse yourself in the nature and character of God. He is the Most High God. He is the Almighty God. He is greater than your circumstances. He is greater than your fears. Focus on what He says. Not on what you hear on the news or on the Internet. Focus on what God says. Immerse yourself in the nature and character of God. Immerse yourself in the promises of God. We were blessed at the end of our trip. A very wise staffer from, from SCF um, recounted um, what happened in 2014 in, uh, in Liberia and the Ivory Coast. Um, it was the heart of the um, Ebola crisis. Do you remember that? By the way, you can look online and almost virtually every year for the past 20 years, there has been some coronavirus-sized challenge, right? And, and God has been faithful through those. But can I tell you, one of the stories about the Ebola crisis, it was fabulous. And there was a Young Life team that had uh, been in there for about 10 years in, in uh, Liberia uh, at the time when the Ebola thing broke out. And, and I'm a little ashamed to say that, that oftentimes when those crises arise, um, sometimes Christians run. They run from them rather than running into them, right? And we're all very familiar and so grateful for our first responders who are paid, yes, but they courageously run into the crisis, right? And they run toward the problem, not away from it. Why? Because people need to know that somebody cares for them in the midst of this. And so the Young Life staff in, in Liberia ran toward the crisis. They ran into the crisis and they paid for it dearly. One of their nieces became ill with uh, with Ebola, she was engaged to be married, and I want to say her name is De Conti. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but but um, De Conti uh, contracted uh, Ebola, and her and her um, fiance did as well. And she writes, she was in the hospital with all the screaming sounds. First, she they left her outside under a tree because there was no beds, and then finally she got into 
the hospital. She could hear a voice screaming that she recognized it was the voice of her fiancé, and he ultimately died of Ebola in that hospital. But she said, where can I turn? Because nobody can contact you, right? Where can I turn in the midst of this? And she turned, guess where? To Psalm 91. And she began to pray Psalm 91. And the Young Life community in Liberia um, began to join her. They heard what she was doing. And, and, and they began to pray Psalm 91 with her. And pretty soon the whole world became aware that, that West Africa was praying Psalm 91 every day for 91 days. And do you know, do you know when the public health officials officially declared the crisis over in, uh, in Liberia? Yeah, you can guess, can't you? Because God is just beautiful that way. On the 91st day. I'm not saying that is where we are, but I'm just saying, isn't it beautiful to turn to God in the midst of the crisis? And isn't it beautiful to turn to his promises? And if you find yourself, and, and whether you find yourself there or not, I want to encourage you, turn to God's word. Join me in, in at least reading, and I'm going to invite you to go deeper in that, and praying through Psalm 91 through for 91 days through this crisis. It'll take you, as you saw with Chad just a few moments ago, it'll take you somewhere between two and four minutes, depending on how much you interact with it. But let's believe that God is so sovereign over this. Let's believe those 20-plus promises for those who will trust him in the midst of it. Amen? And, and then let's be lights. Let's run to the crisis. I'm not saying be foolish. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm, I'm saying let's, let's shine the light of Christ in the midst of the crisis like we saw um, Kim and Doug's daughter doing uh, as well. Let's find ways to glorify God in the midst of that. Now, um, on our church's uh, page, I'll try and offer every couple of days um, another uh, um, just a little devotion based on, because there's, there's beautiful, there's beautiful stuff in Psalm 91. And we'll try and unpack that just to keep ourselves going during those days. But, but so watch the Olivet uh, Facebook page. Um, we'll print them out if you don't, if you're not computer or internet lingual, but, but, um, but let's, let's live the promises of God through this crisis as well. So focus on where your protection comes from. Focus on God's promises and not your problems, right? Focus on God's promises and not your problem. But, but also then, let's do our part. Focus on doing your part. And, and prayer is not the last resort. Prayer in Scripture is the first resort. Keep in mind, this is not just a physical thing, right? Um, Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6 that we... We are, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, right? Uh, our struggle is against uh, the world and our flesh and the evil one. And, and so put on that armor of God. Put on the belt of truth. People need to know truth in times of panic. Put on the belt, or the breastplate of righteousness, right? Uh, uh, of, the, of right relationships with God and with one another, right? Let's put on salvation as our helmet. 
let's take up the, 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 the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, right? Let's take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and then let's pray. Let's pray continuously through the crisis. Not only that God would deliver his people, but that he would advance his kingdom in the midst of this. Secondly, right here from our passage, um, you might not have noticed it, and it was going by really fast, but, but three times, um, the author here, which we believe to be Moses, the author says, because, because this is happening, this is going to happen, right? Um, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, then he goes into a whole bunch of promises, right? So let's, let's focus on doing our part. Let's abide in the Lord. Let's make the Lord both abide and dwelling place are the same word. Let's tabernacle. Let's camp out in, in Yahweh our God. Let's, let's park ourselves in the love of Christ. Let's, let's entrust ourselves to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let's make God our dwelling place in this time. Now, what does it mean practically? It means that when your mind starts to wander, when you feel a fear arising, return to that hiding place, right? You are my hiding place, the psalmist said. You are my shelter in the storm. Let's, let's return to that, that, that dwelling place, that hiding place. Let's be where God is, right? Let's be where God is. Now, that's easy to say, but I want to note that, that just like in the wilderness, as we've been studying, God is a moving target. Jesus is a moving target, Right? I say be where he is, like he stays in one place. But as we just said, what would Jesus be doing in the midst of the coronavirus crisis? He would be going where the need is. He would be going where there is disease. He would be going where there's helplessness. Want to be where Jesus is. That's what a disciple is, right? Remember? Follow Jesus. Learn from Jesus. Be like Jesus. Be like your master. Right? Oh, my goodness. Again, we met this wonderful... Um, somebody told me, I don't know this to be true, but somebody told me that she was 30 years old, uh, um, um, a missionary in, um, in one of the toughest neighborhoods of, of Tampa. What I love about the church that we, um, that we were uh, visiting while we were down there was that they, um, they asked the mayor or some official where the most dangerous place in Tampa was, and, and they told them this neighborhood, or one of the more dangerous places in Tampa, and they went and they got two apartments in the midst of that culture. That's a drug-infested, gunfire-echoing uh, a neighborhood in downtown Tampa area, not far from the uh, University of Southern Florida. And they, they got a dwelling place there, right? And, and, and a, a woman named Becky said, I'm going to go live there. I'm going to go live there. And so she, a single lady, moved into this neighborhood by herself and, and uh, began ministering to the people there. And, and this lady has her act together. My goodness, I think, do I understand? She kind of coordinated the whole schedule for us. She was the one that, that blessed our socks off for the, for the four uh, days that we were down there not traveling. Um, but she chose to go into it, right? She chose to run to it. 
she, she chose to place herself, yeah, in one of the more dangerous places in the city of Tampa, but, but more importantly, she chose to place herself in the center of God's will for her. And as a result, there's this astounding neighborhood transformation going on. I have, wish I could tell you all the story. They, they, they adopted a drug-infested, overgrown field. They didn't even know who owned it, but they adopted it and made it a, a, a safe place for children. We worked on that while we were there. And later on, they were able to buy it, but they cleaned it up before it was theirs. They, um, and it became a center of attraction for the neighborhood where relationships can happen, where kids gather and adults gather. And, and, and people have learned to trust this faith community. Why? Because they, because they run into it, right? They're not afraid to follow Jesus where he goes. And Jesus goes into the tough places. And he says, trust me. Trust me. Follow Jesus. Learn from Jesus. Be like Jesus. And, and then uh, in verse 14 he says, because you hold fast to me in love, right? Hold fast to Jesus. Hold fast to Jesus. Life is going to get tough. There will be times when you cannot see the future. As we saw last week, Chad showed you, God took them and intentionally put them between the fortress of Mingdal, between the, the mountains across the sea from the island of Baal-Zephon, where there's no escape from the armies of Egypt at all, and then God opened up a way, right? Hold fast to Jesus, and he will open up a way for you. He will open up a way for you. And then in verse, in, um, in verse 14, I'm sorry, is that right? Yeah. He says, I will protect him because he knows my name. And that's that, that's that Hebrew word for know, which encompasses both experiencing, experiencing it, and acknowledging it, publicly acknowledging it. Experience and acknowledge the name of Jesus. Why am I camping on this? Why is this so important? Because you cannot fulfill this psalm. You cannot do the things that I have just challenged you to do in and of your own strength. But Christ is the only one who ever fulfilled all the terms of this psalm Perfectly, right? He's the only one that could, without reservation, say, my God, right? My God. Even on the cross, he was the faithful son who made the most high God his true habitation. He set his love upon the Father perfectly. He knew the name of God. And so God promised to deliver him. Right? And the long life promise was in fact given through the power of the indestructible life of Jesus Christ. Verse 16. He displayed his understanding in all of this in the wilderness while being tempted. Right? Satan tempted him and quoted this scripture. Quoted this scripture to tempt him. And, and Jesus went through the trial by fire. And Jesus proved himself glorious. Right? shall not put the Lord your God to the test. This is not just about Jesus over there, detached from us, right? Those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ have found that he 
found the secret place. And he who found the secret place is the secret place. Hide yourself in Jesus. He who dwelt in the habitation of God is the habitation of God. He who knows the name of God is the name of God. We are so privileged, beloved, to take refuge in Him, in Jesus Christ. And in Him, every last one of these 20 promises is yours as well. Think about how Paul put it in 2 Corinthians 1. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, was not yes and no. He was not yes and no, but in Him it's always yes. For all the promises of God. Would you say that? All the promises of God. Would you say it one more time? All the promises of God find their yes in Him. That's why it's through Him that we're able to utter amen to God for His glory. Jesus fulfilled Psalm 91. And as you put your trust in Jesus, you also will fulfill it. So, for, for us, let's stop standing off by ourselves. Let's stop building a name for ourselves, right? Not one of these glorious promises in Scripture is in any way my possession. I cannot lay claim to anything simply because it's in the Bible, right? Non-Christians own Bibles. Infidels can walk into a Christian bookstore. The issue is not whether the promise is in your Bible, but whether it is in your Christ. Whether you have Christ. As the Bible bears faithful witness, if you are Christ's, if you've surrendered to him, then, then Christ is also yours. And if Christ is yours, what follows? All the promises of God, including these. Including these. Oh my goodness, I wish we had more time, but I'm practicing narrowing down our scope. Getting ready, because I have to be out of there by 10.05 on Palm Sunday. Do you believe in miracles? Okay, <laughs> You're all looking at me like I, I used to, but now that you said that, I'm not sure I believe in miracles anymore. <laughs> but, and, and I'll explore this with you um, on our Facebook page, but God even promised that you would crush Satan under your feet. You see, when Satan quoted this scripture, he left part of it off. He said, you shall not strike your foot against the stone. Next one says, you shall trample the lion and the serpent, right? But Satan didn't quote that. Why? Because like a lion, he's prowling, right? Seeking whom he can devour. Like, like the serpent of, of, of Genesis, he's, he's seeking to cause you to stumble. He didn't want to tell, quote the part about crushing the head, but God has given you that power. So don't be afraid, beloved. If you have Christ, you have everything you need to face these tumultuous times. And as you, with rock-solid trust in who Jesus is, as you put your trust in him, other people are going to see that. And they're going to say, tell me about your Jesus. Tell me about your Jesus. Okay? The God of peace, Romans 16:20, will soon crush Satan under your feet. So that's why I preach Jesus. 
to you, right? I preach Jesus to you so that you may be found in Him and so that you may rejoice in Him, so that you can exalt in Him, right? And find eternal happiness in Him for the glory of His great name so that you can boldly go out there without fear amongst the disease, so that you can boldly go out there without fear amidst the spiritual warfare, right? So that you can live into the gifts that God has already given you. And as, as we've said over and over again this last week, as the crisis was rising, God has not given you a spirit of fear, right? He's given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Second Timothy 1, 7. Let's live into the grace that is already ours. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for Jesus. God, thank you that that he's already won the battle. He's already gone before. And as as we entrust ourselves to him, and as he lives in us, then we too are given the power. Then we too are given the peace. Then we too are given everything we need to boldly proactively walk into the crisis to bring glory and honor to you, Jesus. So God, I pray for those of us who never entrusted our life to Christ, that you would grant us the courage even this morning on the front end of the crisis, even this morning, to say, Jesus, I need you. I believe today that you are the Christ that you gave your life for mine so that I might not suffer the consequences of my own foolishness. God, I believe by faith that you raised Jesus from the dead to validate everything he said, everything he did, everything he was. And I entrust my life to his sovereign lordship today. And then, God, I pray for those of us who, who have known you for a long time and have gotten complacent. Thank you. Thank you for rattling our cage. Thank you for shaking the ground beneath our feet. Thank you, in that sense, uh, for fear, God, because it, it challenges our assumptions. God, help us to live these days according to your word. Help us to focus our trust in you for your protection. Help us, God, to trust in your promises. And help us, God, to play our part in, in this great work that you are doing in our lives at this moment. We love you and thank you for your precious gifts. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Stand with us, would you, as we close in worship together. Oh God, all we can do when we think about the majesty and glory of your name is worship. God, who are we that we should come before you and declare your glory? But but God, we know that it blesses you when we open our hearts to you. So would you move among us now? God, where we're tempted to fear, would you just let us make an offering of that fear to you? God, where we've been afraid of 
of identifying openly as a follower of Jesus. Grant us not trust in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ, who alone is worthy of our praise. God, in our whole life, in, in our love, in our world, be lifted up. 